0: The Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 26, Storytelling with Tom Covington. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon.
1: Hey, we are back with another episode of the Beer EDU. This is episode 26. I am Ben and you are
0: This is Kyle, Kyle Anderson at Anderson EdTech on the Twitters, andersonedtech.net for the blog. So, welcome. How you doing, yeah. Ben?
1: I'm good. Uh and I am Ben Dixon, uh co-conspirator with Kyle. Uh you can s- check me out on uh, Twitter at NV, and probably the first thing we should talk about, since this is the beer ADU, is Kyle, what are you drinking? Oh,
0: tonight, I um was talking with my dad one day uh, when I was over at his place, and I had, I had gone on a little beer run down to the store down the street, and uh, he had always told me these stories about back in the day when uh, he was working on oil rigs in Louisiana, and He and his coworkers, I always would carpool, and they would always stop and pick up beer on the way home because uh, back in the early 80s, you could have open containers in the vehicle so the passengers would (laughs) drink beer on the drive home from work. And he always talked about how he always would have Grolsch. They would stop and get two six-packs of Grolsch, and between four of them, they would put them away on the drive home. And when I went on the beer run to the store down the street from his house, I found a four-pack of it. And oh. I brought it back, and it it almost brought a tear to his eye. He goes, I haven't had this stuff in 30 years. So so I picked up that Grolsch, and that's what I'm enjoying tonight. A, a Grolsch Premium Lager, 5% ABV, no IBU listed, um, but it's just, I, I would love to say it's nostalgia, but it's not my nostalgia. It's my dad's nostalgia. <laughs> so, so. So,
1: so help me out. Now, let me, if I remember right, green bottles?
0: Green bottles.
1: Yes, and um, special cap.
0: Yes, this cap—it's those um, those nice like clay with the rubber stopper that you can yep. uh, clamp down with the metal clip. And uh, he even said he goes, "This would be really good for home brewing because uh, you know keeping it sealed up real nice if you wanted to home brew." So um, I think that up the price of the beer a little bit more because it's such a nice <laughs> bottle. Right, but um, it's not bad, you know, just for a standard lager, you know, not not a bad little beer.
1: Cool. Well, I am going with the Hop Valley, which is a brewery out of Eugene. I think I've been – this is like my fourth or fifth Oregon beer. So uh, I am going with their Bambino Stash, which is uh, their IPA. Um, It's 5.5% ABV, uh, 20 IBU, so really, really low for an an IPA. Um, They call it an easy-drinking IPA. Definitely not not super hoppy, pretty light. So Yeah, it's, between it's,
0: the lower ABV and that low IBU, that yeah, that is definitely um yeah. that's even lower than pale ale country sometimes. Oh
1: totally. Yeah. It's it's um yeah, you know what? I found uh I had a mix pack at my local grocery store from Hop Valley, and they're they're ones that I haven't tried before. This one's pretty good.
0: Well, very it's nice. Good. So we have a guest tonight that's joining yes, us we do. as well. And I'm sure he's got something frosty and delicious as well. So let us welcome Tom Covington to the Beer Edu Podcast. Thomas. Hey guys. Welcome. Okay. How are we doing tonight? I am pretty good. How are you? Good. So um, tell us a little bit about what you have to drink.
2: Uh, I am currently drinking a local favorite. It's the uh, Belching Beaver Peanut Butter Milk Stout. Uh, 5.3% at a 30 IBU. So it's dark. And it's tasty, but it's not too high on the alcohol, so I can drink a lot of it.
1: <laughs> that, yeah, that's, those are, uh, I would say, that's that's a sipping beer for me, for sure.
2: I enjoy it. I enjoy mine pretty well. Uh, the first time I had it, I was actually doing a Q Rockstar in Vista, and they were at one of the Belching Beaver, uh, their little tap houses and it was the first time I had it on tap from there, and I thought it was awesome. And now I look for it uh, whenever I'm looking for a nice, easy-drinking dark beer.
0: That is a really good one. I, I like that one a lot, and then here in our local area in Reno, we've got Lead Dog Brewing has their peanut butter stout, and mm-hmm. uh, I could go with either one of those peanut butter stouts. Those are both really good.
2: I, I was I... looking for the Mexican chocolate peanut butter milk stout that they make, Ooh. but it's not, it's not being sold right now so i had to go with the just regular peanut butter.
0: Mix. Oh,
1: you had to you had to lower your standards a little yeah. bit eh? Yeah.
0: Just a
2: little. I, I mean, it's not too much of a give though.
1: Yeah. I might I might have to get some of that and i'm thinking that might go good with ice cream. I'm just thinking.
2: Oh, it does. They they actually <laughs> at the brewery itself, they'll make you an ice cream
0: float with it.
1: That's what i thought. Okay. Yeah. That that's on my list now. There you go. <laughs>
0: nice so well and i think maybe what we need to do too is get some of the lead dog stuff and then do side by side there we go taste
1: test
2: i like this
1: yes
0: very nice so well tom you you talked a little bit about how much you enjoy your peanut butter milk stout and you like your dark beers so but Mm -hmm. who else um is tom covington what else do you do what what makes you tick that kind of thing
2: uh, I'm a tech, in, right, right now, I'm a tech integration specialist for the Bath Unified School District, uh, which means I go out and I teach teachers how to integrate tech in their classroom. We're an Office 365 district, so I, I do a lot of office training. Uh, we do a lot of Teams, a lot of OneNote. Uh, teachers like liking sway a lot, so we go out and train on that, as well as other programs we have in the district like Flipgrid or some Wonders or study things, stuff like that. We'll go out and do a training. We'll go out and do some demo lessons with kids, get them excited about the tech, because when the kids are excited about using the tags, the teachers are more apt to use it. So we dangle a little, hey, we'll do a lesson in, for your kids. in are funny. You don't have to do anything. And then the kids get all excited. They're like, "When well, are we going to use those again.
1: Cool. So we. So I am currently working in a district that is an Office 365 district. So I, I, have
2: many, the queen.
1: I have many questions for you. I mean, as we're moving, this is our, this is probably in the coming year our big integration into using Teams and things like that. So I'm, I'm interested yeah. to hear your your thoughts on on why why that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a Google guy. Kyle's mm-hmm. a Google guy, and it's yeah. been I see the value in it. Yeah. Uh,
2: teams is Microsoft's attempt to copy Classroom. Yeah. And it's pretty successful. They do a lot of things right. Uh, One of the things that I wish that we had more control over, at least at either the site or classroom level, was some of the chat features that you can do. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's okay with the high school kids, because the high school kids have phones, and if they really want to chat, they're going to do it there. It's okay with the third graders, because we we have three integration levels right now, third, sixth, and tenth. That's the first year of our rollout. Third graders are fine. They're too scared to do anything. (laughs) But, man, those sixth graders, they don't have cell phones, a lot of them, and this is their first time being able to chat with anybody at any time. Uh-huh. and it, it's the wild west out there and <laughs> if we could just cut off the chat until they learn until we can teach them a little bit better you know we we do the digital citizenship at the beginning of the year but uh for sixth graders they're a special beast and you got to kind of nail it home a couple different ways a couple different times before you you kind of set them free and so that was one of our learning takeaways from this year it's uh, it disabled the chat chat first <laughs> and then gradually bring it in
1: right on Right on, I, and I'm sure we will move into that, those growing pains. Can you uh-huh. just, just tell people who are out there who are not familiar with it, what's, what's the cool thing about Sway? Because I've, I've played with it, but what do you all see right. with
2: it? Um, Sway is, is PowerPoint to the next level. So <laughs> a lot of people in PowerPoint get stuck with, I'm going to make all these awesome transitions and animations and my fonts are going to be cool and I have 37 different colors on the screen and it's just going to be awesome. And Sway takes all that away. And Sway says, no, your presentation is going to be image centered. And you're going to know the information. And you're going to tell the story while the images are on the screen. And so you build your presentation off of images. And you can make it work a couple different ways. Uh, there's not It's not the overabundance of choice where you just get paralyzed by it. Mm-hmm. It's a few different things you can choose. You can choose a couple. They call them cards. Instead of slides, they call them cards. So you can have an image card, you can have a media card, you can have a text card. And those are, that's it, that's all you got. And they limit you on the text uh, to only a certain different type. And then they give you a whole bunch of options for media and photos. So we teach the kids how to really tell a picture, or tell a story with pictures. And then what the cool feature is, is uh, when you go to present, you can hit this little button that says Remix. Mm
3: -hmm. And it'll
2: mix up all of the styles. You know all the stuff the kids are really worried about that don't really yeah. matter. <laughs> They'll mix up the styles into a professional presentation, and everything will be cohesive and match, and it'll it'll match it all. So it's like a professional designer going through and redesigning your slides to make them look nice.
0: I've messed around with Sway, and you and can it's hit a that remix button great...
2: as many times as you want. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I've messed around with Sway a little bit, and. I think it's a great program, and I'm in a, a district where we have we're mainly Google, but we also have the Microsoft stuff because uh, some of the central office people. I think uh, the whole deal is they don't want to switch to Google, so they <laughs> stick with the Microsoft. So the first time I tried to go use Sway, it's turned off. That we oh. do not we do not have access to Sway, which is really unfortunate. I would love to yeah. toy around with that more.
1: It, it is. I've played with it, and and I I used. So when I would do presentations, I used haiku deck, which sound, which is yeah. similar to that. It's just images. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think when I look at kids, when I go into classrooms and I watch kids and they're working on their PowerPoints, they just get so caught up in like my font and my style yep. and my, and I'm uh-huh. like, what are you talking about? They're like, I, I, I don't even know what my presentation's about. I just know I want this font. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> exactly. once they get
0: beyond the font, then it's um, way too much text you know, uh-huh. writing full paragraphs on one slide. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. And then they'll sit there and they'll read it all. Oh, right. yeah. yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's the whole desk of my
2: PowerPoint. And that's what is that's what trying to get away from. And if you teach it to the kids right, and you present it right, they have really awesome uh, templates in Sway. Are you giving a report, a presentation? Here's a, here's a template for your presentation. Are you doing uh, you know, vacation photos? Here's a template. Are you doing uh, a book report? Here's a template. And so you, you use those basic templates to build it, and you add to it or whatever you want. And then it's structured well. All the kids do is add the content, and then they can remix the slides at any time to come up with an aesthetic that they like. Like, they can't even pick a font in Sway. They can only remix it to get to a font that they like.
1: Oh, that's, so that takes that.
2: away like the 30 minutes of, I don't know what font I'm going
3: to use.
1: Yeah. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. I I definitely, I, I played with it a little bit. And since we all are right. a full 365 district, we have access to everything. And I just, I'm excited to see what my kids do with that.
2: Uh-huh. We, we've done some awesome things with third graders. And we've done some really awesome things with a couple of senior classes that wanted to do it. I mean, it, it, it runs the gamut. I, All, all levels can, can take it and it.
3: Cool.
0: Yeah, no, it's a really great program for telling your story, which is something that you are very passionate about. You're a former English teacher yep. before you got into oh, yeah. your role, and storytelling is something that you're really passionate about. So yep. um, tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on that.
2: Uh, you know, it, it came from the English side. Uh, I, I like to write a blog. It's not, I don't do it as often as I should, but I like doing it. Uh, I like jotting down thoughts and being able to tell the story. And it came to light when uh, – there was a little bit of a crisis at the high school and uh, the right story wasn't getting out about what Mm -hmm. was happening. And it really shone a light on the ability. I mean, who's, who's the best person to tell your story? It's you. Mm -hmm. And if you're not telling the story, then other people are still getting the story. It's just that, you know, not the right perspective and things can be wrong. So being the author of your own story and being able to reach out and tell it is something I'm pretty passionate about, not only for kids but for teachers
3: as well.
1: Well, I think that's huge because we we talk a lot about that with 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 people either on on this show or or on Twitter. Or I've talked about mm-hmm. it with my staff. Is like if we're not telling our story, someone else is, and they right. get to and they create the narrative. Uh-huh. And that's that's and I think for teachers especially, I don't think they realize how much they need to be creators as opposed Mm -hmm. to just consumers
2: well and and a lot of it i mean i know marketing and branding are a horrible phrase in education but it comes down to that Mm -hmm. and it's not about selling something fake it's about showing the awesome things that are going on in the correct light and telling that true story because like you said if if you're not telling your story somebody else is and even if somebody out there is telling that story if there's no counterpoint to that you telling your own story then that story is going to be the predominant uh a perception everywhere, and that's a problem. You know, we have a, we have a problem with that in my district right now. We aren't. We realize that we're not very good at telling a story, and we're trying to get better at it. So we're we're reaching out to different places. The podcast is. Well, we have a podcast called Those Talking Tech. We talk about some things that we do in bassett We talk about EdTech, but that's where that grew out of. If we need to tell the story of the things that are going on here, because people outside are really twisting that story to fit their needs. And we need to have a pure story out there from the inside of what's going on, that people can point back to and say, "Well, that's not what that story says. Your story's different. I wonder which story's real." And then that dialogue and conversation can open
0: up. Just oh. you talking about this, conjured up a memory that I hadn't thought about in a really long time. It goes all the way back to my first year teaching. Uh, the school I was teaching at in Las Vegas was in a in a neighborhood that had a reputation. Um, there was definitely gang activity in the neighborhood. Um, and what what ended up happening was one day after school, there was a fight that had started at lunchtime in the school. It was broken up. N- nothing really came out of it. Down the street, a couple blocks after school, a student showed up with a gun and shot at another student, ended up hitting him in the leg or something like that. So um, obviously the neighborhood's cordoned off, and you know the kids that were still at school were in lockdown or whatever. Uh, the oh, yeah. newspaper shows up and they start talking to kids Uh and you know one of the kids in the newspaper stories talks about how this is an everyday occurrence and how it's basically (laughs) a gang war in the school every day and how yada 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 i i read that story and it just made my skin crawl because that is clearly not how it was this was one kid's perspective And Uh I ended up writing a letter to the editor about how they really should have talked to some other people about what the climate of the school was like, because that was just not fair of them to do it that way. And they ended up printing my letter. You know, I was, I was living in Las Vegas for about six months and I already, and I got a letter printed in the Las Vegas review journal over that whole incident. And that, you know, just just you talking about someone else telling the story, I I hadn't thought about that in 10 years. And that just brought that up.
2: Yeah. That's, it's very important to get out there and tell that story Uh, because honestly, number one, they're going to listen to the person who tells it the loudest and number two, that loudest person usually is the one with the ax to grind against whatever the story is being told. And that's how it's been uh, with a couple of situations. I've been in personally and that's how it's been in with a couple of situations in our district. And it's like, you know what, we're doing really good things. We just need to be able to have an outlet to tell that story. Uh, I was reading in, in one of my little marketing and branding things that uh, for every one negative story about you or the school district, whatever it is on the news, it takes 10 positive pieces to counteract that one negative story.
3: Mm-hmm. And how
2: many of us are putting out that many stories on a daily basis or on a you know, weekly basis to counteract that one? And it takes so much work you know to, to rewrite a story that's already written than to just write that story and tell that story from the beginning
1: yeah and i i know why do you think why do you think that is so hard for educators i mean i have my own ideas about why we don't tell our story but what do you think that is why are we not promoting our uh, what's going on
2: you know uh, i did a marketing presentation a couple of years ago called the uncomfortable art of selling yourself mm-hmm. and that's what it is You know, teachers are are really uncomfortable. I know a lot of teachers are uncomfortable being in that spotlight. They're fine up in the front of the classroom because they have control of those four walls and they know their curriculum really well. But a lot of teachers don't know marketing or branding really well. And teachers that aren't on on outlets like like Twitter or LinkedIn or even Facebook, some of the teacher groups, uh, it can get really hard. And um, I don't know. I think I I grew up in even, not my generation, but the generation before that is – being positive and telling your story like that is kind of like bragging, and that's kind right. of looked down upon. And it's not bragging. We gotta we gotta get past that. It's telling the story of the awesome things that are happening. It's being proud about what you're doing, and being willing to share. You know, like our friend Ryan O'Donnell says, somebody out there wants something you've got. Right. You just gotta be able to share it. And it's about it's about getting out of that that mindset of I'm not being uh, a bragger or proud. I I just want to share with what I got with whoever wants it.
1: I, th- I think you're exactly right I-, I think that's at least when I talk to teachers it's almost like they feel like they're bragging about the, yeah. what they're doing and and they just I don't know may- maybe it's the nature of of our of our careers or something about that that they just don't feel that that's okay or something i, I but i would uh, agree it's gonna
2: be it. interesting it's gonna be interesting when this um, this YouTube generation comes up who have been used to putting themselves either out there or online or telling, Mm -hmm. being better at telling their story. I want to see about when they become teachers and how that, that, that changes the kind of Uh dynamic of what teaching is. I think that's going to be really interesting. You know, my kid, I got a, I got a 19 year old, I got a seven year old and both of them, they will watch stories on YouTube uh, as as long as I let them. And, uh, you know, you got to be careful about what they're watching, but I mean, it's not, it's not anything like, you know, crazy or scandalous. It's random things. It's kids playing games. It's makeup tips. Right. Uh, my oldest really loves makeup. So she's always on there about makeup tips and looking to see, you know, what brand she's, it's consuming content. She loves. And so
1: I I have a 22 year old who does the same. She does the same things on there in to the uh, point where she's figured out how to like, now she like markets her own. She's figured out how to go and sell her own, her clothes online. Like just through go. that whole outlet of like, it it, it is crazy. You're I, I, it is exciting to see what's what those kids are well, going to do. Well,
2: now create. imagine imagine these kids who have been used to seeing people put what they're proud of online all the time, get into the teaching profession and start doing it. You
3: mm-hmm.
2: see it a little bit with some of the teachers we have now. You look at the Q community. Oh, we're a bunch of overshares. Like like right. says, man, <laughs> we love to overshare, uh, and I mean more teachers are going to be doing that and the more teachers that do that the better we all get because you know hashtag better together type of thing so it's going to be interesting next few years to see that hopefully wave of sharing and and being proud of what you're doing come out
0: yeah i think just overall educators in general just we're a humble bunch mm-hmm. you know and that and that gets in the way of things you know that, that to kind of go with um you know what you were saying about we as part of the Q community here in the Western United States, mostly California and Nevada. Um, you know about us being oversharers and whatnot. You know as as comfortable as I am in sharing and telling my story and whatnot, there's still times though I I, I agree with carripo though, where he says, "Oh, you're oversharing," but I look at it as a negative for a split second because. You know, I feel like I I put out some stuff that's you know somebody if I could get one person to look at it and learn from it, I've accomplished my goal. But you know, sometimes yeah. you got to be at the right place at the right time to get that. And that uh-huh. tweet at three thirty in the afternoon could get overlooked. You know, so uh-huh. I you know I try really hard to use. Um, buffer and tweet deck to schedule tweets to kind of stagger them over a period of a few days you know and then and then using the various hashtags to try to get it out there and you know part of me at times thinks for a split second oh i bet you somebody's really annoyed that i'm doing this but for that one person that might be annoyed by it there's 10 people that may have found Mm -hmm. value in it and that's why i continue to do it and you know it's just something that we need to work to try to get more people to do it
2: yeah i i got over that after about you know, I don't know, a thousand posts, I think a thousand posts. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it out there because if they don't want to read it, they're not going to click on the link. And you know what? That's fine by me. But mm-hmm. for that one or two or five people who need it, it'll be there. And, and if, as long as I put the right hashtag, as long as I share it in the right community, my story will be able to help somebody else out there. And I'm okay with that. And honestly, like when Mike and I first started doing the podcast, yeah, it was for internal, but we realized right away, and if I don't know what I'm talking about and I try and make a podcast out of it, I'm going to sound like a dork real quick. And I don't want to sound like a dork. So I have to put my research in and I got to really dig deep into the topics that I want to talk about uh, to make sure that, that I am that expert that people can, if, if they have a question about like play, i make sure that I know what the heck's going on. Because if I'm going to present on it, I need to be thorough. So that's kind of our way podcasting is our reflection my blog is a reflection and if that reflection can help other people that are in a similar situation that's great but first and foremost i'm doing that as my reflection piece to get my thoughts down on paper so i mean that's where i come from oh
1: yeah Uh, i think you're totally right on there i think it's that that fear of is someone going to read it and also i think getting over that fear of someone's not going to like what i have to say I mean, yeah, well,
2: <laughs> that's Somebody's yeah. always going to not like what I got to say. I yeah. think you got to get over that kind of thing. <laughs> quick.
1: Well, and tell us a little bit more about like your, your podcast. Like how did that come about? Like, how did you uh, get to that point?
2: Okay. So uh, my very first podcast was three episodes long. It was called Tom Talks about, and I was really upset. I was really heavy into CTA before I got this, um, this toaster job. And I was the union vice president. And I was lead negotiator for for, uh, our union in our school. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a huge thing going on called the Begara case. You guys remember that?
1: I do remember it. In California,
2: some students sued to have basically teacher tenure taken away. Right. And I was reading up on the briefs and I'm like, oh, my God. And I would ask teachers, oh, my God, do you know what's going on with this? And nobody knew. Like, literally, one percent of teachers were actually up to like caught up on what the vigar case meant for teacher tenure now i'm not the biggest advocate of teacher tenure because there are some teachers that are seriously counting days to retirement and not willing to improve and and we can all name two or three in every district and that's a different problem but uh tenure protects and there's a reason behind it and i I kind of uh, agreed with that and so when the case that came to the way that was being done and none of the teachers knew about it, I was like, okay, people needed to know about this. So I literally put out a three series podcast. The first one was basically a summary of the Vigara case. No opinion whatsoever. It was just the fact. And it was about an hour long. I basically summarized all the case. I summarized the plaintiffs, where they were going, what mm-hmm. the problem was, and why they were silly. Uh The next episode was all my opinion. So I was like, okay, I got an opinion on this. Let me go ahead and about it now. <laughs> And so that took about another hour. And then the last one, I talked a little bit about the Vergara case, and school was starting up again, and I talked a little bit about like, ways to prep. And then I was done. Like That was all I had to say. <laughs> and so it, it, it waited about a year, and I got this TOSA role. It's actually not a TOSA, it's a it's a specialist role. There's a whole story behind it. But um, I needed a way for Mike and I to get teachers PD when they need to. And three o'clock after school doesn't work for anybody and neither does pull out because class time's too valuable. So we were being paid to teach teachers how to use technology but not give it any time to do it. And I said, You know what? Mike, I wanna try something. I said, All right, what? I said, I got this podcasting gear as a grant when I was at the high school and we never really used it, but I'm gonna bring it in. I said, I wanna record an episode on Sammer. I said, Let's 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 record our thoughts on SAMR. Let's talk a little bit about it. Let's summarize it. So if somebody, you know, we can get it straight in our heads. So we did our first episode. It was about like the substitute level of Sammer and we recorded it. And I'm like, sweet, thanks. That's awesome. And uh, Mike went to lunch and I put a, an intro on it and I put a bumper on it and I put an ending on it and I put it on iTunes. And the next thing Mike, Mike knows when he gets back, he's like, I'm like, hey, dude, our podcast is up on iTunes. He's like, what? Podcast? What do you mean? So I completely ambushed Mike. Uh, but luckily he was a good enough sport to go along with it and uh, after we got about three or four in the can uh, we started putting them up and he's like all right um, I like this because it's well, number one It's a it's a proof of concept like we're actually doing our job and researching stuff mm-hmm. uh, But number two, I really have to know what I'm talking about so I really have to dig deep uh, and be that expert so I sound like Excel I sound like a dummy so uh, That's where it started and you know for that first year, we really focused – well, probably for the first 20 episodes, we really focused on what was going on in the Bassett Unified School District because we really thought that it would be a great tool for our teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not right then, but someday when, when they had time and, and they realized, oh, my God, I need to know this. And then we, we figured out, you know what, nobody's listening. Nobody in our district was listening. Uh, but these crazy teachers at Q were listening, and I put in a, a – we, we went to the next queue and I met a whole bunch of other people and other people that were doing podcasts and we kind of started talking about our podcast and, and our listenership went up and I'm like, you know what, let's change format. Let's go more edtech, less BUSD. We'll still highlight stuff we're doing, but let's talk about relevant edtech in our sphere.
3: Mm-hmm. And so
2: that's kind of where it really started picking up and we went from doing about, I don't know, 15 to 20 downloads per episode, uh, for episodes like one through 15 or 20, Uh, After that, uh, after like the Q exposure and we went to present at a couple different conferences and we did our manic minutes and people got it, um, it went to, you know, 100 downloads an episode and then 150. And uh, right now we're recording episode 113 tomorrow. No, 113? Yeah, 113. And we just topped 87,000 downloads on our uh, podcast total. So that's that's kinda like what we hang our hat on right now. Like look, people are actually listening, they like our content, we seem to be relevant. And uh, it, you know, every time we go out and, and present somewhere, every time we go out and promote somewhere, every time we go out and ask questions somewhere, uh, our listeners our listenership seems to grow a little bit. So we're kind of excited about that.
0: I remember those early episodes. I I, I don't I, I wasn't around for the very first one. I think, you know, about five episodes in is when somebody told me uh-huh. about Tosa's talking tech. And I don't
2: listen to
0: those first ones. <laughs> well, no, I, I went back because it was early still. So, and I yeah. still remember that format. And I, and actually, of all your episodes, I tend to remember the early stuff for whatever you like. Uh-huh. My first year teaching, I could give you a play by play that year, but I can't tell you what happened last week kind yeah, of deal. Yeah, I gotcha. You. But, you know, I remember that the Sammer stuff from those early episodes. Mm-hmm. And then probably around, I don't know, maybe episode 20 or so was when you mm-hmm. started to shift. You guys started to shift a little yeah. bit more. And then. I remember I the, I met you guys for the first time at Fall Q 2016, and yep, that's right. you know I somebody was talking and I overheard you introduce yourself, and then I realized I'm like wait a second I think that's Tosa's talking tech so I just walked up and introduced <laughs> myself I'm like yeah I listen and you're like, oh man really you do and then we just all <laughs> hit it off and then you know here we are you know uh, three years, later, three years um, later talking on this one so I I will say that you and Mike and then probably Brian and Ryan from check this yeah. out are part of the reason why I do this podcast mm-hmm. with Ben and yeah. you, know, you guys really kind of inspired us a, about telling our stories and, and sharing out and really just like, you know, all four of you have said at one time, if, if one person listens and gets value, then you're doing your job. And if not, at least you get to have a good conversation with a friend.
2: Yeah. And, and, and on yours, I get to drink a beer.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, And Kyle was like, Hey, we should do a podcast. You should check out these other podcasts. And then, cause uh-huh. I 'cause I'd listened to podcasts, but more like, more on the comedy side and stuff like that. And I was like, huh? Ed, comp, "Ed, I'm like education podcast because I would read people's blogs and stuff. And then I was like, there's this whole other world that I didn't even, I oh, wasn't yeah. even thinking about. But I do love, I love that idea of, of using the podcast almost as an alternative PD tool because that is something moving forward next year. I've talked with my staff about like, like I do not like having meetings. I don't like no. going to meetings. Nobody does. <laughs> And I mean, and I was a PD and I, I was a staff developer and I gave PD and I was like, ah, there's got to be a better way to do this. And I mean, yeah. I think the podcast platform, you know, if there's a way it, I can do a staff meeting this way, I think it's brilliant.
2: It, it's completely easy. You, you read out your, your minutes. You have guests on. You have uh, subject matter experts that come on and talk about the same things that they would get up in front of your staff and talk about. Right. Except, hey, guys, here's the, the staff meeting for the week listen to it by the end of the week and here's your check-in to make Mm -hmm. sure it's done and it's done.
1: I, yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think I'm even toying with, I think it's another great tool also to get families to see what we're doing in schools. I would love, I've already got a play. I've been talking to some students and I'm like, I think we could do a school podcast.
2: Well, let me, let me let you in (laughs) on two little secrets real quick. Number one, um, Next year, if we get to retain any type of role outside of the classroom, uh, number one, we're gonna have a high school podcast
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: run by our newspaper staff that's gonna be a weekly podcast. Uh, cool. The students write stories every week and they put them on the web every week, but they don't publish except for once a month in a newspaper format. Right. Number one, because newspaper dead, but number two, you know, it's easier to put stuff on the web and, and printing is expensive. And right. I told the advisor, I said, you know what, I got a mobile rig, let me go over there I need two readers, I need an editor, and I need a production assistant. Mm -hmm. And with those four people, you can put out a weekly five to ten minute podcast that gets everything to the right page, and I'll put it up on Anchor, Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: it'll be free, and all your kids can listen to it. And you know what? Even if five kids listen to it, number one, it's teaching your journalism kids good journalistic skills. But number two, it's evidence out in the community at exactly what's going on Mm
3: -hmm. told
2: by people who are doing it. So that's one school, high school podcast called Basset High Update or Oli Update. I'm not sure what. That's awesome. Uh, The other one, we we want our superintendent to do one. She already does a monthly uh, video one.
3: Mm -hmm. She does it
2: like a video update. We record it. We do the mixing. We put it online. But I'm like, okay, that's great. But, you know, you got to kind of navigate to the website. What if we just had a podcast and every week you talked about what was going on for five minutes. And then we had somebody come in and say it in Spanish because so we have a 92% Latino community right. and uh, like 80% uh, ELD kids. So we have a high Spanish population. I'm like, somebody, you read it in English, somebody reads it in Spanish, we put it out, it's seven minutes or eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. Parents listen to it when they're dropping off their kids, they know exactly what's going on. So That's, we're trying to get those two things up and running because this is the easiest way to get things to people.
1: I, I agree. I told, I mean, with a subscription format, you don't even have to look, look for it. I mean, that's, that's what's brilliant
2: delivered right there to you on demand. Whenever you need it, Uh, that's, I think, I think that's going to be that if if we can tap into that, not only for communication with the community, but PD things and staff wise, Mm -hmm. and not only like I'm, you know, directing this, I'm talking at the staff, it's, Hey, Martha, I really love what you did in class. I need you to come in the podcast with me or the announcements this week. Right. And I want to ask you about it. I want you to tell everybody about what you did. Mm-hmm. Done. People are much more open to having that small conversation than saying, hey, why don't you reproduce that in front of the staff meeting, in front of 80 staff members in, in a high-pressure right. environment so that everybody can be looking at you. That's more natural to, to talk about it in conversation than present it.
0: Well, th- those are some really awesome grand plans you got for next year. That that can't be the only thing you're doing. You got to be doing something right now too. What what kind of stuff are you doing to highlight student successes in your district right now with uh, podcasting uh, we- or storytelling?
2: We just had uh, an event uh, last Thursday called the Best of Bassett, where uh, it was curated by our district office, and each school had a table to present. And the superintendent w- went up, and there was about a thirty-minute presentation. Uh, segment, our teacher of the year talked. our, our, uh, superintendent talked. They highlighted a lot of the things going on across the district. Um, mm-hmm. cause you know, some parents at one school might not know something's going on. In another school. We talked about our test scores. We talked about our grad rate. We talked about our, uh, attendance rate. We also talked about our awesome sports teams. We had like six teams go to CIF this year, uh, which is unprecedented in our school. Uh, we had uh, a couple different like rocketry competition and, um, our, our HOSA, which is the Health Occupation Student Association, mm-hmm. uh, they won some awards. Our academic decathlon won some awards. So it's basically a, a highlight of what's going on in the school. Um, we had three tables there, Mike and I. We had the podcast table. We had the 3D printing table, which we set up a 3D printer. We gave, had some giveaways. We showed exactly how we were using 3D modeling and 3D printing in classes.
3: Mm -hmm. And then we had
2: a table that had all of our digital learning initiative stuff on it. So basically the laptops the kids get to take home. So they, the, the kids and the parents there got to see the exact devices that we're rolling out. So if they're not a third, sixth or 10th grader, they got to see what their kids were going to be getting in the next year or two. So all that stuff going on, live demos of everything. We had board members there. We had community members there. We had uh, people from like local representatives offices there. It was really nice. And you know, about two hours of just,
0: come in and and show off so it was really nice and uh, where was you. and where were the newspapers and the um <laughs> news channels for something like that because we talked to you know kind of circling that wagon yeah. back now talking about no. like the negative stories you know that's all great things that were where was the media for that one
2: yeah but when you look at that i can post every single and that's what i did i went through and i posted um on the insta stories on twitter and on facebook a picture of every single booth and of a couple different speakers and some like different action shots on all three of those social media platforms and that's going to reach more of our community than any newspaper Mm -hmm. or or tv reporter coming and doing a story will because we're talking to our community and where is our community our community uh parents are on facebook Mm -hmm. kids are on instagram features are on Twitter. Those are the three big ones we hit in social media. And that is enabling us to tell our story better than some media journalist can come in who doesn't really know what's going on and kind of just read what, whatever they put in front of them. So we're trying to we're trying to take control of our own story by harnessing show, social media and making sure that our the correct story is there. So whenever somebody asks what's going on, we can point them there and say, this is where we tell our story. And if you mm-hmm. have any more questions, this is how you can reach it.
1: Cool.
2: That's the biggest thing right now.
1: So do you? Think, I wish
2: we not get media coverage, but it's just yeah, not going
1: to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. Sure. I think at this point, I think at this point in in all of education, at least in my my perspective, is, is like we have to create our own media. And oh no, you do. And I think I think you're right. I think our I think our families, I think our 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 stakeholders, that's what they're uh-huh. consuming. They're you yeah. know. They're using Instagram, they're using Snapchat, they're using those things and how I mean, yeah, they probably do read the stories in the paper, but I don't know. I don't know how much No, of that.
2: I'm, I'm I'm with with paper, you know, the readership and, and subscribership, the how far it's down in all of our local papers. Um, social media is where it's at. Right. And if you put your stuff on social media, it's gonna stay there and you can publicize the heck out of it and people will know where to go to look
3: for
1: it. So so having said that with that social media and being a, a, being an English teacher mm-hmm. where do you see like like where do you see us heading towards instruction around like li- digital literacy with with that stuff because we're really moving away from I mean books will always be there but there's a whole new mm-hmm. literacy out there.
2: Oh yeah, we we try we try and cover a lot of that with our digital citizenship talking about media footprint are your digital footprint out there and what having a positive digital footprint looks like, uh, about things living forever on the web, no matter how hard you try you know, even if you put a tweet out, you delete it, you know, two minutes later, it's still there. Right. Somebody who wants it, you can go out and find it. So we talk about digital footprint. We start that when they're, when they're really, uh, we do a uh, sense media gram Each of our schools mm-hmm. is uh, common sense certified and our district's common sense right. certified. So all of our kids get, uh, hopefully a good instruction in, in digital citizenship. And then with our, our curriculum now, we've moved a lot to some digital curriculum, especially in our uh, device grades where it's uh, Mm -hmm. three, six and 10. We try to go as much digital as we can using things like OneNote and, and teams. And we have study and wonders. So we try and, we try and start our kids there uh, and show them how to highlight and interact with text in ways you, you, couldn't or would be difficult, you know, using printed media
3: mm-hmm. just to
2: make sure that they have those skills. Um, how am I going to make a note on this page that I really think this, you know, speaks the characterization of this character? How how do I do that? Well, here, let me show you. Instead of using a highlighter and this, you make a comment or you put this and and you share those notes with a friend and that friend shares his notes with you and then you can totally compare and combine those into one so that mm-hmm. your learning is now collaborative instead of just you in a silo with a highlighter and a pencil. So uh, we we try and push it as much as we can, and you know what? It's a heart it's it's a culture change, and you right. can't change culture in a day, and you can't change culture in a year, uh, but you can change culture one interaction at a time, and so that's what we try and do. We try and move those small interactions and positive experiences with technology. That's our that's our main job. So with digital literacy and digital learning, I think that you know baby steps, and you gotta you gotta walk before you can right. run.
1: For sure.
0: One thing you didn't mention, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, um, that highlighting the stories of of your district and whatnot, um, one of the things that I was really intrigued by that you've mentioned this on your podcast where you've done it now two or three years in a row now is your signing day event. Oh, we're doing that next week. Oh, nice. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about the signing day event. Okay.
2: Uh, So College Signing Day, it wasn't originated by us, but we totally attached onto it. And there's this awesome video by Michelle Obama really explaining what College Signing Day is about. And it's done through uh, MTV News, I think. But basically, College Signing Day, you know, athletes know what College Signing Day is. Right. Uh, Sports fans know what College Signing Day is. It's the day that kid goes, makes the decision, and makes a commitment to what school he's going to. Right? Right. So everybody, you know, you have that press media come in and that, you know, five-star athlete, that top, you know, five-star ESPN athlete comes in and signs, hey, I'm, I, I'm committed to USC or I'm committing uh, to Georgia. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to take the positivity and the hype around uh, the sports college signing day and transfer that onto academic college signing day. So all those kids that got into four-year universities within our district Uh, We celebrate them at this college signing day ceremony. They come up, they are recognized for getting into a four-year school. They sign a large commitment paper that says, uh, you know, I I plan on attending this university, and when I'm done, I'm going to come back and share my story with all my fellow, you know, Olympians and and talk about my success and how to get there. So we're trying to make the fact that our students have, you know, done this awesome thing about getting into a four-year university, Uh, and make it a positive experience so that other students that are in the district and in our schools at this rally can kind of be inspired and pumped up and say you know that's something i want to and it's more than just signing that that piece of paper it's acknowledging their hard work it's acknowledging their dedication the fact that they started when they were freshmen and you know some of them had to sacrifice going out with friends or you know i couldn't play four sports i only had to do two instead or i really had to sacrifice and study because i had four ap's but i'm getting in as a college sophomore now. And so I only have to pay for three years of school. So we have inspiring stories like that. Uh, this is the third year we're going to be making a little video. Uh, Mike and I have done it the past two years. We interviewed some students and uh, we talk about what it took and how it makes them feel. And uh, some of them are first generation college students. Like what's that like for you and your family? Uh, this year we added a new twist where we had uh, a, a flip grid out where parents could leave 10 to 15 second messages for their students, telling them what it means to them that their student got into a four year university. Wow. So that's a new wrinkle this year.
1: That's nice.
2: So yeah, we really want to tap into the community and make sure that they knew it was an, a, an awesome day and something good going on. And uh, we were really worried, because for the first week when we had the slip grid open, nobody, like literally nobody <laughs> responded. And we had put out like phone messages and emails and a letter home and nobody responds and one parent we had we had like office hours where parents could come in if they were intimidated and, and record in our office I'm like come on by we'll help you one parent came in and she's like oh my gosh this is so awesome and I said you know what it'd be really awesome if you reached out to some of your friends and mm-hmm. encouraged them to leave messages for their students I really need more than one like you're the first one can you help me out and do that and uh, over the next few days, I got like 10 or 15 messages coming in on this flip grid. So it's, it's grown, and I'm really excited because I was really freaked out that nothing was going to happen. But now it's going to be a nice wrinkle that not only are the kids reflecting on what this experience means to them, the parents are reflecting on what it means for their kids and their family as well. Well,
0: and like you said, with so many students being first generation um, going oh, yeah. to college, you know, I just, yeah. I just think the, the value in that is just so much more. Huh? because of that and you know where um i i can I, I i love seeing the looks on parents faces when they're when their student graduates from high school and sometimes it's the first uh, member of the family to graduate high school i can't even imagine i can't even imagine seeing the look on the faces of some of the parents in your schools where they're sending their kid off to a four-year school
2: oh yeah yeah
0: it's it's
2: it's, a, it's an awesome day like graduation's big but when, when they know that that kid got in and like kind of like that hard work is paid off, um, mm-hmm. that the first year we did it, we had a lot of parents, we had uh, the rally for the kids and then we had a reception for the kids and their parents. Cause their parents were invited to the rally too after like in, in our little library and we had like, you know, snacks and it was just like a little mingling hour. And we had the little video that we made played up in the background. Oh my gosh, the, the tears in the parents' eyes and the happiness and everything. They were just so excited to be there. I'm so excited that you know they had helped their student with this accomplishment, and that this dream, this really American dream, was becoming a reality for their family. It was really, really powerful.
1: Well, it's got to be powerful for those kids that are down the line. You know, your freshman and your sophomore uh-huh. to see that like that's that is something that's totally attainable for for oh, all yeah. kids.
2: In conjunction with College Signing Day, we take all of our four-year university kids on a campus tour. So we take uh, all of them to each of our elementary schools and Mm -hmm. to our two middle schools. And usually the the school will have a little rally and the kids will walk up in their cap and gown. Mm. And the students who went to school at that school, two or three of them will say a little bit about what it takes and about how, you know, our our district has really helped them or teachers that have, have really helped them along the way or kind of what it took for them or encouraging the students. Hey, I was sitting there. Eight years ago, I was in that chair right there, and I never thought that I could, you know, graduate and go to a four-year university. But here I am today telling you I got accepted to UCLA, and that's where I'll be going. And all the kids are like, wow, I want to do that. So it's really powerful for, for our younger kids because, I mean, that's why we really do it. Yes, we want to we want to celebrate it, but we want to make sure that our whole community feels that this is a possibility for them, that we can give them the tools in our district, and we can give them the support that they need to be able to get there. Because, you know, that kid that was sitting in that seat eight years ago did it. There's no reason you can't either.
0: And it just it means that much more coming from a kid, too, because, you know, we, we've all experienced this as educators where we could we could tell kids about things that they should be trying to do until we're blue in the face, you know. And, you know, just yeah. typical kids are going to be like, oh, what does that adult know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, but to have that seventh grader, at the middle school, sitting in that chair, yep. oh, what's this mm-hmm. assembly gonna be about? And then watching who could be like, you know, their older brother's friend or something like that come in exactly. and tell them yeah. everything that
2: th- in the community. That yeah. that's, that's what happens.
0: Right. No, that's just that, that. That's so amazing. So, and oh, yeah, uh, you know, i You said you you kind of swipe that from somewhere else or whatever, but yeah. um, this is really. In this much detail this is the first time i'm really hearing about a school or a district doing something like this and i just oh, yeah. i i can't be prouder for you in your district just hearing it let alone you know you experiencing it yeah well, the, uh, the
2: first year of the video was a little more like uh, like i not want to say somber but a little serious like
3: mm-hmm.
2: it was just kids like what we do is we bring them in we interview them, we have like six or eight interview questions uh kind of like name where are you going um where have you been accepted to? Because we have kids that get accepted, like, 12 or 15 schools. It's insane. Wow. And then, how did Bassett prepare you? Because it's a promotional video. How did Bassett prepare you? Are, uh, what does this mean to your family? Uh, what, is, what did you have to sacrifice to get here? And so, we, we, answer, we have them answer all these questions. Then, we kind of cut the best together and move it in. And behind them, use a green screen. And behind them, we'll pull that they are signing. So, if they're going to UCLA, we'll have, like, mm-hmm. a picture of the UCLA campus behind them as they're talking. And in the little um, in the little runner at the bottom, we'll put their name, and then we'll put the college they're going to. So we try and make it as professional as we can. And the first year, it was just them ans- answering questions, and uh, it w- it was good. Uh, after about you know two or three minutes, it, cu- it got kind of uh, I don't want to say awkward, but it was it was it was a little somber for a celebration event. Last year, we kind of tried to up it a little bit. And this year, they're like, we need, we need to amp it up. Like, we need, we need hype. We need like, cool music. We need. And so, Mike and I are kind of still scratching our heads, even though it's been a week and a half, trying to figure out what we're gonna do
0: to make it hypey. Um, iMovie know, explosions. <laughs> just explosions all over the place. Yeah, just um, those, just those cheesy explosions in iMovie.
2: <laughs> there yeah, you go. and I-, I did, I did a uh, a video for our CIF uh contenders. So we had like six and I did a, a video with nice like pop music background and I had footage of all their games and practices. So I put it in the background and that lent itself really good to like hype and action and stuff like that. And um I don't know, talking about college dining doesn't, doesn't really lend itself to hype and action. So I'm I'm really racking my brain about <laughs> what we're going to do. We'll come up with something. Uh but you know, it, it'll happen.
0: Well, it, by we the time guys, this episode's going to post time this one posts um you will already have gone through this so all oh, right
2: so it's done so all right i'm done
0: yeah so <laughs> you're you're done at this point so uh you but, did it, um, yeah and, did it. It, and did it's it. amazing it's amazing tom you, you you came up with something great you and your team there <laughs> There you so. go
2: thanks kyle i appreciate that
0: <laughs> so
2: i i look back on that video fondly
0: yes but <laughs> that's <laughs> so. work but but hey, at least now um, the listeners know the process and oh, God, yeah. uh, the, the agony that you went through to create this beautiful piece. I, I just,
2: I know what it means to some of these kids. And so I really want to make it not only what kind of the school wants and like that that hype, I really want to get people excited about this whole I get to go to college thing. And so, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on Mike and I to come up with something awesome. And we'll, we'll rise to the occasion. I'm racking my brain right now, but, you know. It'll happen because we love it, and because we really want uh, our kids to, to be inspired by it.
0: Well, and I think what we'll have to do too is, um, since this isn't going to be posting until after you make it, we'll see if we can get a hold of the link to it or something. We can post on oh, yeah, the I'll show totally notes, give you guys a link. yeah. So, sure, so yeah. the listeners can uh, see everything that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, to see to see all the hard work that you and Mike put into the video, but um, but more importantly, the hard work that so many of your kids. Put in oh, to yeah. get into getting to where they're they're gonna be this fall.
2: Yeah, it's a big transition for them, and uh, I don't I don't think you know these are the days like that last month of school is when it's really kicking in. You know, like oh my gosh, I, I'm not gonna be here anymore. Like this is my last month of school. Like so, yeah, a little
1: bit, a little bit of panic, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of panic, excitement, <laughs> nostalgia. <laughs> there, everyone goes nuts. That that's just the basic.
0: For sure. So, well, wow! What a what a great conversation on yeah. telling stories and um, just all the different ways you can do it and just the great things that you're doing. We can't thank you enough, Tom. Oh for yeah, sharing with us. Hey, I,
2: I love the show, guys. I listen to every single one, and I appreciate you asking me on. I'm yeah. pretty excited to be here.
0: So, we loved.
1: I we loved having you. I mean, and and I love. I personally love your show because, like I said, I've been going back, and I'm like. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff like I need to know about this. I need to know about yeah. this. So, so definitely keep up what you're doing. You know, um, awesome. it, Thank
0: you.
1: it's an, it's an awesome tool out there for people. If you, if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out.
0: So, well, and then, and, and, as you say that, check this out, Ryan and Brian's a good one to take a look at too. Oh, so yeah. gotta, we, you know, we, we had Ryan on a while them. back.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. We still suffer from each other all the time. guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, that's what this community it's not
1: stealing. It's creative no, and it's, curating no, and, and, <laughs>
2: You know, our show, like, The Demographic, we, you know, they're all teachers, but we have listeners that Ryan and Ryan don't have, and Ryan and Brian have listeners we right. don't have, and there's some crossover, but there's a lot of teachers that don't, so I don't feel bad if I'm stealing content from them and no. sharing it, because I think I'm sharing it to people who might not have heard it in the first yeah. place, so, you know, take everything, share everything, you know, copy everything, <laughs> that's how we are, one big, one big Sherry happy family.
0: There, there we on. go, hashtag podcast EDU there we go <laughs> so well listeners we would love for you to keep this conversation going along yes. with us share some of your thoughts with us on today's topics uh email us at beeredupodcast@gmail.com. podcast at gmail.com uh tweet us using hashtag beer pod um the handle is at beer pod hit us up on facebook and uh tom you are very active on twitter um we I don't know if we caught your uh, Twitter handle. What what is your? No nah, my
2: my handle is at Tech Tom T E C H T O M D U S D. And then wow. our show hashtag is at Tosa's Talking with no G Tech.
0: Tosa's talking tech. So yeah, so make sure you hit up both of those there, and then you know follow both of them, and then subscribe to their show as well. You know Tom and Mike. You know like like we've been talking about off and on here that they're sharing out some great content. So. Um, but you can also send us a voice, mails on the, voice, yeah. mails, voice message on the Anchor app. And then if you want to leave us a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store or whatever, that would be awesome. And then if you want to be like Tom and be on the show, our website, bit.ly slash podcast, Click on the contact subscription info link, complete that guest form, and we will find a time to bring you on the show and uh, chat with us as well.
1: Yes. It yeah, sure. it's really fun. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on Tom and and stick around for a minute. We're going to, we're going to do the next part of the show where we're going Mm -hmm. to learn about something. So, so Kyle, Kyle, you are going to talk to us uh, this week. So what have you had for our learn about beer segment?
0: Well, we both love our IPAs, but you've been especially loving your IPAs lately. Ah, uh, yes. I think it's like four or five episodes in a row you've done an IPA of sorts. <laughs> which there's nothing wrong with that. I you yes. know I can get behind that. So. I have
1: I have a type. Let's just say it
0: <laughs> for sure. So, um, but you know, it got it got me thinking a little bit about um, you're starting to see on beers, um, especially IPAs, what kind of hops that they're adding right. into the brews. And um, I wanted to look at what some of the common hops were, and then the flavors that come out with some of those. So um, I found this great website, um, kegerator.com. So um, oh. home brewing, and you know, just a lot of great information about uh, about brewing and beer. And um, I selected three real common types of hops that are used quite commonly, especially in IPAs and pale ales. And um, mm-hmm. one of those is the Cascade hop. And this is one that was developed, and it's been grown since the 1970s. Um, very, very common one, especially in IPAs. And then even, I think, um, one of the Heineken commercials with Neil Patrick Harris, they, they talk about how they use cascade hops in Heineken. Um, it's a, it's very floral in, uh, right. in its um, nose and in its flavor. get a little bit of spice, like a peppery spice to it, uh, and then especially a lot of citrus, um, right. especially grapefruit comes out of that Cascade hop. So, uh, and this is one that um, it, it's grown a lot in the Pacific Northwest. So, um, hence the name actually comes from the Cascade Range uh, of Oregon and and Washington State and into Northern California. So, um, another one um, is the Citra hops. That right. uh, it's only been around for since two thousand seven. It hasn't been around for very long. Uh, it's when they started. They developed it before that, but nobody really used it until they started to market it back in like oh seven right. so you get a lot of flavors of like lime and grapefruit some orange right. a lot of these tropical fruits come out of I, that but it also has a has a little bit of a bitterness to it too so sometimes mm-hmm. they'll use that as a bittering agent to where um they may combine it with a cascade hop where it's got a lot of that citrus forward flavor to it and then the citra hop
1: that'll actually add the bitterness to right. the beer as yeah. well i I feel like the Citra, like you said, it's a newer, I mean, 2007, it, it's a while ago, but I mean, it's not super old but I, I or new, but I, I, I do think that's one you're seeing more of mixed with those Cascade. Well, and of one really of our combo. local
0: brewers here, at Lead Dog, they have a mm-hmm. beer called Citra Solo, where that's the right. only hop that they yes. use in it. It's a New England style IPA where it's really fruity, really juicy, and then this Citra hop yeah. adds the bittering to it, so um that's a that's a really good beer i i had one of those uh recently at the brewery so that's right.
1: I, I haven't had a bad beer from lead dog yet who are we kidding here so there's no bad beers there's just You're, grades of beer like pizza yeah
0: same thing. yeah pizza and beer <laughs> yeah. some some are better than others right so i um, Beaver has had one called hop highway that has that that citra hops in it oh okay oh, cool yeah i have to check see, to see if we can find that one um we yeah. do have belching beaver here in northern Nevada, so we, yes, we do. should be able to find that one. So um and then lastly one of the other ones I found was the Simcoe Hops. Right. Um, this one the website the um, they they put it on there, Cascade on Steroids where it's very <laughs> fruity. <laughs> Mm-hmm. A lot of the citrus flavors, but it also has got a really earthy flavor to it, too. So uh, they describe it as coming out with, like, berry and apricot, passion fruit, a lot of those citrus flavors. But then, like, it's very piney and woodsy at the same time. That it's So it's a very complex hop, and they usually will combine this with other hops, too, because on its own, um, it could be a little bit overpowering for uh, most palates. So, um, but so... I mean, there are literally dozens, if not hundreds, of styles of hops out there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, the Mosaic is one that comes to mind that a lot of people are using right now. Um,
0: yeah. And, and that's one I ones. know. Mosaic Promise by Founders yep. is one of their IPAs. Mm-hmm. That one's That's an excellent IPA that uses just that one. But for the most part, most beers are going to use a combination of hops because right. of the different flavors that come out of them. So, um, you know, like the... The, the Cascade with the Simcoe would be very good together because it would right. get that citrus flavor going, but also at the same time kind of earth it up a little bit. So um, so when you start seeing on your cans what hops are going into, take a moment, look them up real quick, just to kind of see what's coming out of them. So I, I feel I've, I've got a pretty good palate for beer, but I want to start being able to taste beer and then understand <laughs> what hops are coming out of it. That's when I'm really right. going to be good at beer tasting.
1: There we go. So... <laughs> i'm I'm not I'm better at beer drinking than beer tasting. let's just say that <laughs> i I can I think I can speak for all good. three of us on that Tom, do you agree? pretty good at drinking beer?
0: Oh I'm pretty good at drinking beer,
1: uh, at drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> There so, we go.
0: very nice so well, right on yeah We're, well, what do you think Ben is that about wrap yeah, up?
1: Yeah, that's about it. Tom, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome to have you.
0: hey guys, I appreciate it. thanks for having me. yeah, I'm and, sure we'll be seeing each other in person here again pretty soon, hopefully. oh yeah so very nice so uh, next episode Ben is episode 27 yes it will be yes so and again we've got guests lined up but um, if you're listening and want to be on hit us up fill out that form contact us and uh, we'll get you on the program as well so
1: and if you listen make sure you subscribe and leave us a review
0: yes and then share out your thoughts on all the socials and all that good stuff so all right. until next time may the malts and the hops be
1: with you Right on.